the mission of the Pennsylvania Department of Education is to ensure that every learner has access to a world-class education system. Welcome to PDE Presents, a podcast series for lifelong learners that's dedicated to elevating voices across the Commonwealth. And now your host, Noe Ortega. Welcome to PDE Presents. I'm your host, Noe Ortega. PDE Presents is part of a broader strategy by the Pennsylvania Department of Education aimed at changing the way we think and talk about the mission and outcomes of education in the Commonwealth and across the country. Through this strategy, the department aims to shine a spotlight on the greater public good and collective mission of education. This podcast invites school leaders, educators, and other stakeholders to participate in conversations that unpack contemporary topics in education with a focus on equity. My guest today is Jeremy Branch. He's the Senior Assistant Director for Enrollment Management for Penn State University. Jeremy has worked in admissions for 15 years and is responsible for supporting schools in Chester, Delaware, and Montgomery counties. He is an active member of the Pennsylvania Association for College Admission Counseling, counseling often referred to as PACAC, where he served in a variety of roles on the Executive Committee, Professional Development Committee, and the Inclusion, Access, and Success Committee. Jeremy is currently serving as the president for the association, and he also served as faculty, director, and dean of the Summer Institute. Additionally, Jeremy fulfills the role of post-secondary advisor to the Downington, Raider Valley, Randner, Rose Tree Media, Unionville Chads Ford, Wallingford Swarthmore, and Westchester Area School District Counseling Advisory Group. Jeremy, welcome to PDE Presents. Oh, thank you, Noe, for having me. It's so good to see you virtually uh, as we're as we're recording this podcast. But it's been something I've been looking forward to for the last couple of weeks. So thanks for having me. As have I, Jeremy. You know, for those who might be meeting you virtually for the first time, what is something that you might be willing to share with our listeners about who you are as a professional and how you approach your work? Yeah, so as you mentioned, I'm the Senior Assistant Director of Enrollment Management at Penn State University, my alma mater, and I'm in my 15th year. I work out of the Brandywine campus, most specifically, but do admissions for the whole university as well in those counties that you mentioned. And uh, the Brandywine campus is where I attended as a student. And then six months after graduation, the admissions office called me and said, hey, we have an opening. Would you consider coming? And and I've never looked back. It's funny when I think about being in admissions for 15 years because I only intended to be in it for one year. And I think that happens to a lot of us uh, in our different career trajectories and sometimes in education, you know, it's like, okay, let me get something on my resume and you just fall in love with the work. And then all of a sudden you're saying, wait a minute, I didn't think it was going to be this fruitful. So that's how I I came into admissions and have remained in admissions. And I've had a lot of fun roles uh, throughout my time at Penn State, not only in just the recruitment and retention of students, but I've I've been a part of our Schreier Honors College Review Committee for the university, um, which is was a gift that kept on giving uh, for a number of years that I got to serve on that. And now, you know, externally, I'm the president of the Pennsylvania Association for College Admission Counseling as well. Um, And when you talk about how do I approach my work, I really try to approach it as enthusiastically as possible because it is a privilege to work with students. And I know you feel that same way, Noe, the work you've done advocating for students over your years, you've really dedicated your life to it. And that's what a lot of us in education do. We essentially dedicate our lives to it. But it is a privilege to work with these young people in one of the most exciting 
but terrifying periods of their life when they're trying to figure out what in the world am I doing post-secondary, right? And I, I just try to bring enthusiasm and a listening ear to them to guide them in the best way possible. So that's really kind of the crux of the way that I approach my work. I appreciate that, Jeremy. And I have to just disclose fully, uh, admissions counselors are people that are really close to my heart that I can relate to because I did start my career as also one of them. And often people forget that they're the, uh, in many ways, the gatekeepers for the campus, right? And, you know, welcoming folks at different areas and also engaging with the families. And I think many people who are listening today probably remember their admissions counselor, the person that recruited them. Oh, oh um, for sure. So, you know, this past year has been one that's unprecedented, right? And it's changed the educational landscape forever. Do you mind sharing with us, uh, Jeremy, what you feel is one of the most pressing matters in the field of higher education today? Yeah, I think it's the pandemic fallout. And there are several tiers that come under that. But when I think about this question, overarchingly, we don't know what the fallout is going to quite be, especially when it comes to our field. For instance, one of the things that I've been really concerned about is the exacerbation of equity and access and the issues that already existed there that are now exacerbated post the the pandemic, right? Like we we know that there are students in certain regions of our dear state that aren't logging on consistently to their classes. They're hard to get a hold of. And that's not always because they're, they don't want to be. They have technology issues, internet access issues, right? Sometimes they're they're living in places where even maybe those hotspots don't work as well, right? Because you're still relying on cell phone towers and things of that nature. So there's been an exacerbation there with students that really concerns me. The financial impact has me scared to death because you have families that are really worried about basic necessities. And then all of a sudden we want them to shift their mindset to, are you coming to college or not? Well, wait a minute. Like, do I have lunch today? Do I have meals to provide for my family at night? And you want to know whether or not I'm getting ready to make a deposit for your college or university. That is something that's weighing heavily on me. And you can kind of see where this is. Um, you know, we're getting some warning signs that this is going to be a big deal with the lack of FAFSA completion rates. Right. We, we know we are trailing significantly behind. And there's a reason for that. Right. I also out of the fallout. I've seen as I've talked to secondary school counselors, there's been an apathy with some of their underclassmen. And I think that's because, you know, we're trying to get them to buy a car that they don't have the license to drive. You're trying to get them to make a really pivotal decision to come to college, but they don't know the experience they're going to get. You know, if you're a current senior right now, you watched your upperclassmen friends who were seniors last year transition into college and their freshman years didn't look like what they thought they were going to look like. And so you're wondering, okay, as I'm getting ready to make my decision, what am I getting? What am I signing up for? I don't know. And so as the year has gone on, I've talked to a lot of school counselors about the fact that, you know, they're seeing in their juniors who are getting ready to be, you know, rising seniors, there's almost like a little bit of an apathy. There's not as much excitement and vigor around the college search journey as there were in classes prior. And so that worries me a little bit as, as we talked about at the outset of our conversation before we started recording, right? When you're in admission, you have that overlap of seniors and juniors, right? And that's one of the, the parts that makes our job challenging, but it's also, it's exciting, right? Cause you're those juniors, they're so ready to, to explore their dreams and make all these things a reality. But 
I'm worried about how the pandemic is going to impact just their hope and their excitement for their post-secondary planning. I've been doing a lot of conversation within Penn State recently about another one of my worries, and it's how is the educational gap that our students have been experiencing going to make the transition to college a challenge? And I, I met with a high school senior and her school counselor a couple of weeks ago, and I didn't really know why they wanted to meet. You know, I just figured like, oh, maybe she just needs to understand like how she picks her classes or something like that. And so we meet through Zoom. And this is one of the strongest students we're bringing into our incoming class this year at Penn State. She's going to start at University Park. Super excited. But she told me, Noe, that she doesn't know if she's ready for college. And I'm looking at her, her profile. I'm like, wait a minute. This, she's a straight A student. And she did take te a test. And she had like a 1400 plus on the SAT. And yet she's concerned about her transition to college. So I said, where is this coming from? And she said, well, basically, Jeremy, I've been in independent study, I feel like, for a year plus. So what is it going to be like to be in a classroom again? Am I going to be able to keep up with the speed of my classes and the way that my professors are teaching? I don't know. And so it made me think, like, are we having these conversations at our colleges? Right. Like our, our academic units and faculty members and, and deans, are they talking about this? So I started to inquire a little bit within my own university. And I thought like they were just going to tell me like, yeah, absolutely, Jeremy, you, you know, stay in admissions. <laughs> you don't know what you're doing. This is our, our realm. But I came to find out that not as many people are talking about that as we think. And as I've talked to friends at other colleges and universities, they were like, huh, I don't know. I, I don't know that we're talking about it. And I really think it's going to be important for our faculty at our campuses to deal with these students in a loving way. Because if I'm coming in and I'm lacking confidence and you start hitting me with, you know, your first graded assignment is going to be your midterm. That's not going to work for these students. I'm, I'm wondering, do we need to offer more frequent assessments at lower, you know, grade point values so that we can kind of build up their muscles? A little bit their higher education muscles build up some confidence and then move them along i don't think that you know you're going to have to meet higher education where we are type of thing is going to work and we know there are faculty out there that have that mindset there are faculty on the other end of the spectrum that are unbelievable at meeting students where they really are but there are those who believe hey you're an adult you're now in our college or university setting you need to meet my expectations i fear that's not going to work with these students. And so that's another piece of the pandemic fallout I'm really worried about. And then from a, a professional standpoint, I'm really concerned about admission counselor and secondary counselor burnout. Very, very concerned about that. I mentioned that in my comments as I accepted the gavel for PACAC at our conference. That was something that I wanted to give attention to. And so I've just made a point of calling friends of mine and colleagues of mine and not asking them for anything besides just how you doing? How's everything going? And they're burnt out because we have to remember, not only are they dealing with the rigors of their job, but their at home life's not the same either. And if they're like me, I have a son who's in second grade and he's, he's doing virtual schooling. He hates it. He absolutely despises it. It is a battle every day, primarily for my wife and for myself, right? So we also have this, these things going on in our own homes, as well as the you know additional workload that has come with working remotely because you're accessible.
right? And people know that and families know that and students know that. And so I'm really worried about that burnout. And if that two, 250 to one counselor ratio was something we were concerned about before, how we need to make that happen in the state of Pennsylvania, it's even more important now. Um, because I'm really worried whether or not some people are going to wonder if this is something they can continue to do long term. You know, Jeremy, and I appreciate that because I think what you shed a light on is that when you you have no idea what this disruption is going to do when it takes away normal and routine functions <clears throat> and mm -hmm. operations from folks, it becomes mm -hmm. really challenging. And now we're expecting them to reengage when the uh, pandemic cloud is lifted with things that were familiar to us, but certainly not familiar to the incoming class that you just welcomed this past year or the class that's about to exit secondary as well. So I appreciate that. I wonder in your many roles, because you described many, both <laughs> at your campus, but also in your professional organizational involvement, what are some of the things that you, your team are doing to break down some of the barriers, Jeremy, reconstruct systems with equity outcomes at the forefront? Well, one of the things that we needed to do, and I realized this coming into my president presidency, we had to educate our members on what those issues are. You know, we make a mistake sometimes in thinking that everybody knows, right? Everybody knows what my job is. Like, you know, sometimes I'm still surprised when my parents ask me, well, why are you doing this? And I'm like, I've been admi in admissions for 15 years. Why are you still asking me that? But I've never explained it to them before. I just assume they know me, so they know what I do. And I think that happens a lot when it comes to equity, inclusion, diversity types of work. Just because you may work in a diverse workplace or campus doesn't mean that you are an ally. It doesn't mean that you are well-read on the issues. It doesn't mean that you're going to be a, somebody who can really help students process why this is important, right? And so... If 2020 taught us anything is that there is a great chasm between where the United States thinks it is when it comes to diversity, equity and inclusion and where it actually is. And so with all of the events that were transpiring with George Floyd and Breonna Taylor, so on and so forth throughout that year, it became more in, clear to me and, and my team within PACAC that we needed to evaluate our own thoughts so that we could be in a position to be better people ourselves, but also be better for the students that we service to help them process what was going on. Because students had questions. I saw it at Penn State. I saw it within my specific campus at Penn State Brandywine. Students wanted to talk and process all the things that were happening, but not everybody felt equipped to have those conversations. And so coming into my presidency, I said, we need to do more within this association around diversity, equity, and inclusion. And as I looked at what we were offering before, there was really only one forum we had at PACAC where that was addressed every year. And it was our Summer Institute, which is, you know, the longest running program of its kind throughout all of the, you know, uh, admissions associations in the country. But, you know, it, it's for, you know, admissions counselors from one to three years of, of, of experience and secondary school counselors of any level, right? And we, we do all these workshops and case studies and all this type of stuff at Bucknell University. It's fantastic. But through that, we always had a diversity, equity, inclusion, intersectionality type of program. But no other PACAC programming had that arm baked in. And I was like, this is a problem, you know? And I remember one of the, the other uh, PACAC presidents, former PACAC presidents, uh, Tom Butler, came to me and he said, Jeremy, you're the third black president of the association. And I was like, wow, really? And I felt honored. 
But then I said, as long as Pac has been around, I'm only the third. Right. And so sometimes you start to realize there's a reason for that. Right. Because in my opinion, and I'm writing an article about this right now, but systems are sentient. And sometimes like people don't know that they've been a part of a system that has led to something like that happening. So I was like, we need to do soups and nuts kind of training program around this. So we've been uh, featuring through our professional development committee, a monthly series of what we call lunch and learns that center specifically around diversity, equity and inclusion. But I also got sneaky with it because oftentimes the people who need this training are the ones who don't show up to it. So I charged our our professional development committee to sew it into all of our professional development programming. So no matter what it is and who's coming, they're going to get some piece, whether we're talking about the admissions funnel, whether we're talking about financial aid, whether we're talking about counseling, there's going to be some piece woven into that fabric that involves diversity, equity, and inclusion. And it has worked tremendously. I've been so proud of our team. Um, and it, it, the feedback we've been getting from our membership is great because, you know, a lot of us, we didn't want to confess that we didn't know a lot in this space. We didn't know the, the, the resources. We didn't know what books to read, but through these series, like we can all come together and there's no judging. We're all learning at the same time and people have loved them. So that was the main way that we wanted to attack it. And it's seen results. You know, and I appreciate you shedding light, Jeremy, on the fact that, you know, professional groups are norming organizations. And when you set norms within even the routine functions from the uh, admissions funnel and all the other uh, professional development modules that tend to be staples at a PACAC conference, you know, both at the state and national, it's best to weave them in there. And I think that's a really important takeaway for those of our listeners who are trying to figure out what's the best way to get started. Do I create a subgroup that looks at diversity, equity, and inclusion, or do I take advantage of the opportunities that are already in front of me? And I think that really speaks highly. Jeremy, this work that uh, you described, leading for equity, when you're the third black individual to lead an association, never mind what that means in terms of the legacy of the position you hold right now at Penn State as well, uh, in terms of what that compositional diversity looked like, this is not easy work. I wonder if you have any advice or strategies that you would share with someone who may be listening to this podcast, who's thinking about following in your footsteps of how they might be mindful of tending to themselves while also trying to tend to those who are going to be impacted by this work. That's a great question. Uh, first, I don't know if you want to follow in my footsteps, but <laughs> there are much better people out there whose footsteps you should be following. Um, but you know, I think one of the things that's really aided me throughout my life and in turn my career is I'm never afraid of what I don't know. I've never assumed that I know everything. And there, some of us get scared off by that. Like we, you know, you'll see it with, with that young admissions counselor at a college fair that clearly doesn't know the question or the answer to the question that students asking them. And instead of saying, I don't know, I'll get back to you. They stumble and they come up with something and the student can tell you don't know. And then that student's turned, turned off. I've never been afraid to say, hmm, I need to do more research into that. I need to think about that. And from a personal standpoint and from a professional standpoint, that's aided me really well. Um, I also think, you know, joining professional organizations and associations is incredibly important. That's when my growth happened, because we at Penn State, we always have our own professional development, and it's phenomenal. 
make no mistake about it. But my growth in admission as a whole, not just Penn State admission, but admission as a whole happened when I joined PAC Act, the Pennsylvania Association for College Admission Counseling myself and got out of just the Penn State sphere and said, okay, what are other people talking about? What's happening outside of my university? And how can that make me better at recruiting students to my university or maybe aiding them somewhere else? And so that's when I started to really feel like, you know what, these are my personal gaps in my professionalism. And this is how I can fill it out. It's where I was able to find some mentors to really show me the way you network and it brought it broadens your horizons in a, in a bevy of different ways. And so joining professional associations is incredibly important. I also encourage people to find your place in your work. You know, there were certain things that when I came into admission, I understood why we did them. And there were certain things I didn't understand and I wasn't okay, okay with how those processes were working. And so I said to myself, well, if I don't like what I find within my job, let me create my own approach to it. So really the way I approach my work is not only with enthusiasm, as we talked about earlier, but I'm basically a college counselor that works at a university. That's how I approach my work. I go into high schools, not just to talk about Penn State, but I do a lot of programming that has nothing to do with Penn State. And, you know, through about 10 to 12 of my schools, I go in and teach them how to go on college interviews. It doesn't have anything to do with Penn State. We don't interview. <laughs> but for a small uh, segment of our programs, like our performance arts majors and things like that. But I'm helping these kids develop these skill sets that they're going to need forever, whether you want a job at the shore over their junior year or whether or not they're going to have to interview for a residency down the road. Right. We start building those skills now. That's a college counseling approach. And there was there was always this, you know, this um, this thought that we need more access to students and every admissions office wants that. But I said, why are we constantly trying to get more access to students, but not doing anything for the school? Right. Like you can't always ask somebody to give you something and you've never done anything for them before. So I started kind of this college counseling model and the way it's a, uh, that I approach my job. And it's reaped a lot of benefits towards, you know, Penn State enrollment for sure and building relationships. But it's also brought me a greater fulfillment as a community service piece and has been part of the reason I've stayed in admission for so long. Jeremy, I appreciate you sharing that with me and with the listeners as well. And I think it really does, does speak to the servant part of your leadership as well. I think often when we have folks talk about uh, the individuals that we're looking to invite to this show to share with us their experience and their approaches to leadership, it's folks that have answered the question, what would you do when you're in a position of leadership? How will you change the field for the better and give back to the institution, the community and the students as well. And it's clear to me that you still have the same enthusiasm for the job now that you did 15 years ago. So I appreciate that as well. Jeremy, thank you for joining us today. It's been a privilege talking with you. Oh, same here, Noe. Stay healthy, stay well, and I hope to see you soon. Absolutely. And thank you to all who joined us today for PDE Presents. Production and technical assistance provided by the Harrisburg branch of the Pennsylvania Training and Technical Assistance Network.